Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio 103.1 FM 910 980 1300 AM or anywhere on the Odyssey app. You can also get us anywhere you get your favorite podcast. Just search the Rob O'Donnell Show. It's 509 here in the station in Pittston, 90 degrees with some sun and clouds. Actually, clouds are moving in. Looks like it's mostly cloudy right now, but the sun's peeking in and out. And we were talking about charter schools before, and just to finish up on that, and again, this is from educationweek.org. The first charter school opened in Minnesota in 1992. Some 3.7 million students attend 7,800 charter schools in the fall of 2021, according to the National Center of Education Statistics. Their enrollment more than doubled between 2010 and 2021, and the number of schools grew by nearly 50% in that time. 8% of public schools were charters in the fall of 2021, up from 5% a decade earlier, the schools also grew more racially diverse in that time, while traditional public school enrollment declined by 4% in the first year of the pandemic between fall of 2019 and fall of 2020. Charter school enrollment grew 7%, mainly because they did not close down and continued learning. It's probably one of the reasons why they're also doing much better, because two to three years of uh, educational detriment closing down schools for the pandemic um, hurt. And, and we see how much that hurt now, especially our younger students who you know, now you're getting third graders who are trying to socialize as they were kindergartners because they missed their kindergarten. They missed their first and second year of schooling. So now third grade teachers are, are, are doing wonders to help them catch up. And kids are resilient. They will give in the proper resources. They will give in the proper instruction. They will giving the proper... Uh, resources that they need. So to move on from that, um, I I really don't want to hear a word from the United Nations or, or an, anyone for that matter on our, you know, the green initiatives and protecting our environment and, you know, making things safer for our planet and such like that because uh, the United Nations and the IAEA just signed off on Japan to release uh, radioactive water into the ocean from the Fukushima uh, nuclear site. It was a disaster from 12 years ago where they had the the earthquake that caused a, pretty much just a meltdown of their reactors. The treating of the wastewater has been in the works for years. And they're saying now there's no other options as space is running out to contain the contaminated material. The chief of the International Atomic Energy Agency, the IAEA, Japan, and the UN's Body of Safety Review all approved this plan. But it's done little to uh, reassure residents in the neighboring countries, local fishermen, who are still feeling the disasters from the 2011 disaster. Now, some have cast doubt on the IEA's findings, with uh, China recently arguing that the group's assessment is not proof of the legality and legitimacy. You know when China's fighting you on what you're planning to do as far as releasing wastewater, radioactive wastewater, you have a problem. And this isn't just a little bit of wastewater. As we know, in 2011, there was the earthquake and tsunami damaged the nuclear power plant in Fukushima. And they've been mitigating that since. 
they uh, they built over a thousand massive tanks to hold the radioactive waste water. Wastewater. And these thousand tanks contain 1.32 million metric tons of wastewater. And they've run out of space. So they get everybody that's involved with this, the UN, everybody who's telling us that we shouldn't use our gas vehicles pretty much. Anyone who tells us we shouldn't have cows, we shouldn't eat beef, is saying it's okay to release 1.32 million metric tons of radioactive wastewater into the ocean, into the Pacific Ocean. Now, if you recall, when this meltdown happened, when this issue happened and radioactive waste leaked into the ocean then, we were finding tuna, our fishermen were catching tuna that were contaminated on the West Coast of America. You're dumping that much into the ocean, there is going to be risks. There is going to be issues with it. And the same people who tell us, no, this is okay, are the ones that are trying to restrict our day-to-day lives, trying to restrict us from taking airplane flights, trying to restrict us from using our trucks and cars want to mandate us to battery-operated vehicles that have no infrastructure to support such that only get 250, 300 miles to, to to the charge. Tritium is the main waste, the main uh, issue that, that will be dumped into the ocean. And it will be diluted by such. And in some countries, that's... Uh, an acceptable level, acceptable level. Um, they're saying it when it, when it, by the time it gets released, it'll be at a thousand parts per whatever, the measure they use per liter. The World Health Organization allows ten thousand. The U.S. limits to seven forty. So it's above what us in America would would deem hazardous, the level of hazardous. Now, any level of radioactive material should be considered hazardous. But it's above that. But we're just going along with what the UN says and what the IEA says and what the Japan's regulatory authority says. But the U.S. has backed Japan with the State Department saying in a 2021 statement that Japan has been transparent about the decision and seems to be following globally accepted nuclear safety standards. Now, mind you, this is above our safety limits, what we would have here in America, what we would discharge. But it's okay that our neighbor across the Pacific Ocean is dumping 1.3 million metric tons of contaminated water into the Pacific Ocean. I have a problem with this. And again, The Pacific Ocean doesn't really affect my day-to-day living, but it affects the world that we live on. You know, the one that they say we need to keep being limited from. We need to do all we can do personally. My carbon footprint is a disaster to the safety of the world. Your carbon footprint 
needs to be restricted by our government, by our states, by our towns here. But the city of Scranton just got a carbon footprint committee or whatever, whatever the hell they call themselves. Somebody should ask them their opinion on Japan dumping 1.3 metric tons of contaminated radioactive water into the ocean. Don't tell me my car's bad. Don't tell me I should have, shouldn't have a gas stove when this is what's going on. The things they're trying to restrict on us are just agenda-driven nonsense in the full scope of things. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of when, when something like this is going on in the world, you're worried about municipalities having gas stoves. You're telling an entire nation that we're not going to be allowed to have gas vehicles after 2031 or whatever the date is. It's ridiculous. You have, you have automobile plants closing down, laying off thousands of employees just to get the funds to start up an EV divisions to meet mandates that will never be supported by the infrastructure that's out there. It's just crazy what's going on. And the mere fact that this, it's literally, I mean, have you heard about this until today? I just read about it this morning, and this article was posted in CNN on uh, on the 4th. So, of course, an article like this put out on July 4th, when everybody's preoccupied with celebrating the birth of our nation, as our nation and the United Nations is sanctioning the destruction of one of our major bodies of water, the Pacific Ocean. 1.3 metric tons of radioactive material, radioactive water. And this isn't just the start of it. This is just the release to empty these tanks, these thousand tanks that they built to deal with what they've dealt with the past 10 years, 12 years. They're going to have to continue, and they say these tanks will be filled in the decommissioning of this plant. So we're going to have another one of these in 10, 15 years. But we should worry about our carbon footprint. We should worry about the green energy that we need to do. I should have to worry about, you know, how I heat my home or how I cook my food, how I drive to work. But let's dump whatever into the ocean. And like I said, is this all over the media? No, we're talking about what would be a ticket found in a who knows where in the White House, of cocaine. We're talking about all the rest of the nonsense we're talking about when things like this are happening. We have real problems in this world. And most of what we're being rammed down our throat with media is all distraction is all what people want you to believe and what they want you, what direction they want you to go in. And we need to start using the, the power of these, of social media, of, of our internet, of learning the things that are out there, the things that are going on. I mean, again, a, a major nuclear waste dump going into the Pacific Ocean any day now. And I'm reading about it on CNN on the 4th of July. Or it was posted on the 4th of July. I just read it yesterday. 
I mean, Japan's fishing industry is scrambling on what they're going to do, how they're going to cover this, how they're going to mitigate this. Are they going to raise the acceptable standards in the fish they serve, the fish that gets served here? Because a lot of it's caught there. And what are we going to do then? I mean, obviously, they, they put out a a survey in J- Japan found that 51% support the wastewater release and 41% oppose it. Well, again, because they're stuck with it. It's sitting in tanks on their shore right now. So they have it one way or another. And they're being told by the so-called experts, well, if we release it into the Pacific Ocean, it'll get diluted so much where the damage will be minimal. Well, I bet you the damage of releasing 1.3 million metric tons of radioactive wastewater into the ocean is a lot more damaging than every American for the next 100 years who cooks with a gas stove. I, I can pretty much guarantee that. I can guarantee that releasing that wastewater into is more damaging than having gas vehicles in America for the next 50 years. But, you know, let's worry about Mr. and Mrs. Smith buying a Ford F-150 or a GMC Sierra or their Denali or whatever kind of trucks they want to get because it's comfortable for them. They enjoy it. They use it for farm work. Let's worry about the gas stove you're cooking with and let's go to a radiant heating electric stoves. But let's dump 1.3 million metric tons of radioactive material into the Pacific Ocean to where within a matter of days, the current will bring it to the West Coast of America because they've already proven that during the first incident in 2011 when we were catching tuna and we were catching things off the Pacific Coast that was radioactive, showing signs of radioactive damage. It's uh, 523 here at WILK. I don't see a problem. No problem. No. No, really, not too many problems on 81 anyway today. This Penn Teledata Internet Traffic Update, it looks like um, it's moving quite fine in that area where the construction is between what, Waverly and Lenox, where it's always jammed up. That is actually moving. We are not seeing any problems, hearing any complaints. So that's okay. There was a minor accident right before the Pittston exit a few minutes ago on 81 northbound. That does not seem to be backing anything up, but you want to be aware of that in case they're cleaning up and you might have to slow down a little. A little bit of minor slowing between the Pittston area and Scranton as well, both directions on 81. Still a little bit backed up on 80 westbound out by Bloomsburg due to that construction and some heavy traffic on North River Street in Wilkes-Barre, Kaiser Avenue in Scranton, and Main Street in Pittston. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line, 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, W-I-L-K Traffic. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. I'm messing with Nikki. I put the the W-I-L-K microphone block right in front of her, and she still didn't see it. I had to point it out. Oh. Storm tracker forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, showers ending this evening, partly cloudy, low 68. Friday, partly sunny, warm and humid with scattered showers and storms, high 88. Saturday, mix of sun and clouds with a few spotty storms, high 87. 
Sunday, cloudy with scattered showers and storms, high 82. It's currently 90 degrees and mostly cloudy here at 525 at your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 528 here at the station, 90 degrees and mostly cloudy outside now. Um, the defense team in the Brian Kohlberger case, he's the, the defendant in the Idaho murder of the four individuals out there. They, they received a win. They were granted access to the officer's training records. And what they do here is they pick through the training records um, to create doubt. They're going to look for things that are wrong with the officers. They, when they can't attack the evidence, when there's no issues with the case against them, you know, they create doubt by attacking those who investigated the evidence, who interviewed the people like that. But the fact that the defense team was uh, granted access to the officers' training records is uh, – just shows that that that's the route they're looking to go. They're looking to to pick holes and, and find things in the officer's past or training they didn't take or you know training they may have failed or training they they failed to take or or that that's applicable to the case. And um, you know, it looks like there's there's several officers the the officers that uh, collected a lot of the evidence. They want to see specifically the training on how they collected evidence, how they did at that training. So if they can show, okay, if someone passed their training course with, say, a 75 and, say, passing as a 74, you know, they can say, well, you're not very good at this. So how are we to expect that the evidence you collected here on this day for my defendant's case, you know, was handled properly? And that creates that little doubt. And all remember, all they need to do is create doubt in one person on that jury. And uh, that's how they poke holes in it. But it just goes to show that, you know, they're looking at all the avenues, not just to attack the evidence, but attack the people who collected the evidence, the people who interviewed defendants and interviewed witnesses and such like that. And when they can create enough doubt, maybe there's enough there to get their client off. Um, And that looks like the right they're going here. But it's not unusual, but it's not also normal for a defense team to be granted an officer's training records. We're seeing more and more of that because of the anti-police rhetoric that's out there. But, you know, relevance is, is a big, big deal here. What it goes for here is is if you're a defendant, if you're a bad guy, you can't bring up prior bad things you've done. It's irrelevant to the court, to that case, and you can't, you can't um, manipulate the jury into thinking, okay, this defendant's a bad guy because he did all these other bad things. They want you to look at the specific bad thing that's on trial right then and there. But they can do so for the witnesses. They could do so for the officers and such like that. They can look into their background for everything. And it's one of the unfair things about a trial like this. It's one of the benefits that are given to a defendant. And that's why when people say, well, defendants didn't get a fair trial. Well, they get a fairer trial than a lot of the other people that are that are testifying there and that's what's going on with that we're going to talk a little bit more about this case because there's a little more happening it's 531 here wilk it's time for the news with paul michaels welcome back to the rob o'donnell show on wilk news radio 103.1 fm 910 980 1300 am it's 536 let's go to the phones real quick we have a uh, rich from laughlin on hydrogen cars rich how are you rob thanks for taking the call i hope i i didn't take it from your main subject no no not at all it's going to be about Japan, but a better side of Japan, I, not with the nuclear waste. Uh, the problem in our country is our uh, corporations do not want to look past five years for profits, okay? The Japanese have been playing with hydrogen cars for almost 20 years. And uh, the Honda just stopped because they're putting too much, they have to put money now on the electric. 
But Toyota has continued with it, and Honda's going to go back. They actually had an infrastructure in Southern California where you could refill the hydrogen and everything. And they're, they're collecting data for over 20 years, what's good, what's bad. And uh, Ford now is starting to say they're, looking, they're going to be leaning and start working with, with uh, one, one of the two to build hydrogen cars uh, on a small basis so they could get data. And uh, they admit, well, their, their, their pickup truck, their electric one is not selling, so they're raising the price to 100000 now, from eighty to 100000 okay? And they said down the road they're going to have to go digging so deep to get all these semi-rare metals to make, to make the, you know, all these cars, the lithium and everything. The future may be in hydrogen because the product that comes out of that exhaust pipe is water. There is absolutely... No other uh, chemicals coming out, like no CO2 or anything like that. And they said the real problem in a cold area would be you start dripping water and you might ice up the road. Uh, but they've been working very well, and uh, the, the Japanese have collected a lot of, lot of good data. And they, there's automation and how the valve shut off if the car flips over, so forth and so on. Uh, you, you'll probably read more yourself eventually. So they're going to start working on that. Uh, they see that that's probably... Uh, now, now you're, you're really getting to the point where you have no, no pollutants going into the air. That's super green. It's still an internal combustion engine, but uh, I just thought I would mention that. And uh, Ford's now going to start, uh, I guess, uh, working with the Japanese, with Toyota, and, and see how far they could get. Because, you know, you're going to have to eventually go down into mines, just like we had in the coal days here, as the lithium gets shorter and shorter. And they have not addressed what to do with the batteries, Rob. They haven't addressed it. If you're going to sit there and start pay people to take these batteries apart and all this other stuff and the motors too, what are you going to do with it all? You know. I agree. The waste is going to be. You know, they're not even looking or paying attention to that yet. Uh, they don't have the infrastructure in, in tow now. They don't have the resources, the raw, raw materials to make the amount of batteries they need. And then we're going to have the waste of them because you know after a couple of years they're going to have to be changed out, and the cost of changing them out are just unreal. I mean, we've seen them already where, where vehicles, they're getting $25,000, $28,000 bills just to replace the battery in an electric vehicle. And people know as soon as Biden's out of office, things are going to go back the way they were. I, 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 I agree. Hydrogen cars could work on a limited basis, but not hydrogen. Lithium could work on a, on a small basis, but they still haven't addressed, like we just said, the waste part of it. And we could all put away our Biden magnifying glasses to make our four-hour hamburger after he's gone, you know? <laughs> Take I'm care, all, Rob. Thank th you, sir. Thank you, Rich. You have a great day. I, I'm all for all of the above when it comes to these things. I, I truly am. I, I want us to research all the avenues that are out there as far as green energy goes, but it, not as a replacement at this time, as an addition, as, as test cases to see which works out of the best all of them, uh, from all of them. And we'll see what happens at that point. Uh, I did have a, one of the text messages texted in and asked me to post that uh, article from CNN on uh, Japan, and that is on my Facebook now. So you can follow me on Facebook at Rob O'Donnell. You can see that article there. Um, you know, thank you for, for reaching out on the text messages and saying you wanted to read further into it because that's why we discuss things here. You know, I bring up some topics. I talk on, touch on it a little bit. I give you an overview on it. But, yeah, it's up to you guys to do the research. If there's ever something I'm talking about, I, I have the data behind it. I have the resources behind it so where you can look it up yourself. So just text in, call in, and say, hey, you know, can you post that or can you send me a link? And I'll, I'll gladly, gladly do that there. Um, 
one of the things I was talking about the Idaho murders, one of the, the things also that I wanted to touch on is the victim's family asked the University of Idaho to delay the demolition of the house where the killings occurred. The house was boarded up that was uh, on schedule to be raised and, um, you know, torn down and, and something else built there. But um, the family say, why don't you hold off on that till the trial happens just in case? And, and that's smart. That's a smart take. That's uh, I, I approve of that. And I think that should be happening. I understand they want to get rid of it as soon as they can. But until this this goes to trial, until it's seen through, I, I would keep it there just in case. Because you could have the, uh, if it's torn down, you could have the defense say, well, I want to take the jury on a tour of this house and walk them through the house to show them things. And you denied us of that. So you, you want to avoid things like that. So that's just one of the other things I wanted to touch on on that case. It's uh, 541 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather hey, for the last time today. Thanks, Rob. How you doing? Good. And this, I have one more time, by the way. During the news, I do another update. But just in case, just so you know, I'm not done working yet, all right? This traffic update is brought to you by Pentella Data Internet. We are seeing a little bit of slowing between Wilkes-Barre and Scranton on 81. Watch for dipping below the speed limit both directions. Also, as you head above Waverly, you might just be going a little bit below the speed limit, but it's moving along Better than earlier in the week. So I guess the holiday travel is uh, has subsided a bit through that construction as well. No reports of any major accidents and major delays at the moment, except maybe out by Bloomsburg on 80 Westbound where they're doing construction. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line, 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, WILK Traffic. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron tonight. Showers ending this evening, partly cloudy, low 68. Friday, partly sunny, warm and humid with scattered showers and storms, high 88. Saturday, mix of sun and clouds with a few spotty storms, high 87. Sunday, cloudy with scattered showers and storms, high 82. It's currently 87 degrees and partly sunny outside at 553 at your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 546 here at the station. You can call or text at 570-883-0098. Let's go to the phones now. We have uh, Joe from Trips Park on battery-powered cars. Joe. Hey, Rob. How are you? Good. Um, I This electric car thing, I mean, it drives me crazy because I'm in the business. And us not being able to forecast what to do to years from now, five years from now, it's just really affecting us tremendously. Electric cars really, they don't use brakes the same way gas-powered cars do. You can drive an electric car, and you'll probably need to replace the brake pads every three or four years, as opposed to every year in New York or every other year somewhere out here. <laughs> so brakes, brakes are actually 40% of what I sell. That's any auto parts store. It's 40% of what you sell. It's most of the job work in the repair shops. This would flip the entire business just upside down when you knock 40% off your main product just off the market just like that. And, I mean, it's, it's probably going to be even worse than that because I've seen so many Teslas. I know a guy that's six years, and he's still riding on the same factory brake pads. The brake pads are still brand new because they use the electric motor to slow down the car. So, I mean, it's just them doing this has an effect on a lot of jobs and a lot of people. And I mean, it's just, it's a weird game because you look at China's economy, it's going downhill and it seems like, you know, they just can't manufacture anymore. The only thing that just so happens to be able to save them is if we go to these electric cars, 
and they have all the cards to provide all the minerals we need to build these cars. It's like their golden ticket, and we're punching it over here for, for whatever reason. It is, and, and no one's even talking about I'm glad you brought it up. No one's even talking about that trickle-down effect when it comes to something like this for those parts, for, for everything else. I mean, in the industry as a whole, the industry will change tremendously because there is a huge difference between these EVs and our regular gas-powered vehicles as far as suspension, as far as you know, everything. And something as simple as the brakes, like you bring up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I went to tech school for mechanics back in 05 and we had the EV classes, we had to wear hazmat suits to go, you know, remove the batteries and everything. I mean, it was a whole thing. Did you picture a repair shop doing that? And where are these things being recycled at? Where are they being dumped at at scale? And I mean, that's even if we can do it, which all the data says we would have to exhaust all of our minerals to produce one generation of EVs. Cars don't last a lifetime. We have to replace them every couple of years. Nothing, it's just, it doesn't exist. The math isn't even there. It's just not possible. So I really just don't know what this administration is really thinking of. Um, and if you were to go that far, like I said, China owns, they have the market cornered with with everything, with lithium, cobalt, copper. I mean, they would we would literally have to beg them to make cars, and they would be able to name their price and put them essentially back in business. Yeah, and being the electric vehicle and being the battery and such like this, what what other electronics are they putting in these vehicles? What other things are they putting? I mean, we've seen in all such uh, other areas, you know, China and uh, adding their spyware into things uh, left and right. You know, we've canceled whole surveillance organizations here in America because the equipment they were buying was from China that they were putting spyware in. Um, you know, do, do they have a, a back door where they can just shut down every electric vehicle in America? You know, what would that do for our economy? What, what would that do for the people that need to go to our plants to build weapons to, if we are in some kind of military conflict with someone like a China? Oh, absolutely. As if our phones weren't already enough. And I mean, it, it doesn't make sense, A to Z. Environmentally, why it doesn't make sense? Because you have worse emissions with electric cars. You're just off, you know, sending those emissions off to be done somewhere else. I mean, can't see it from my house, like they say, so it must not be bad. And, I mean, you can't, no matter which way you look at this, I mean, it, it's all wrong. And I really hope that some somewhere along the line, they just kind of figure out. I do see electric vehicles being around for the long term, but in certain areas, in small pockets, the same way solar. You can't put solar power up in, you know, Alaska. You know, we're going to have to diversify the way we get our energy. Same thing with our cars. And I think that's the way to go. I think this problem is too aggressive. And it's just, it's so sketchy, and it's like all the other promises. There's nothing to really stand on. It's not fixing the problem. It's kind of just look-at-me type of uh, agendas that really just make no sense if you really think about it. Yeah, it's very nearsighted and something simply for, for a catchphrase for a vote. And that it's, you know, it sounds good at this moment, and that's what people want to hear, so I'm going to say it. It's very nearsighted. We're really not looking at the whole picture. And I think if you looked at EV vehicles in a whole picture as far as the acquisition of the raw materials, what's needed for there, the development themselves, the, the issues like firefighting to put these these vehicles out when something does happen, and the disposal later on down the road that's not even being looked at. When you look at that as a whole and compare it to things we have now, I, like I said, I'm all for all of the above you know, issue, it, all the above uh, resources, but let's take it at a time pace where we can mitigate it and, and deal with it correctly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, most of the uh, disagreements we seem to have between both parties amongst ourselves are, uh, you know, what we want. But if you really think everybody wants a clean environment, we all want a good economy. It's just how that's being done that the, the uh, differences strike. And I think we just need to focus on the goal here and uh, achieve it in a way that makes sense. 
It does, and I'm really glad you brought up the point you did, Joe. I appreciate your call today. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, buddy. Um, before we finish out the show, I just want to touch on this. Uh, the U.S. State Department is saying that passport delays won't be cut to pre-pandemic levels until the end of the year. I don't know anyone out there who's tried to get um, – I haven't personally tried to get a passport, but I know people who have. And, um, you know, in March, the department increased the processing time for new passports to 10 to 13 weeks for routine processing and seven to nine weeks for the expedited processing, which costs an additional $60. Uh, I know people recently who tried to get their passport, and it was a lengthy amount of time. As a matter of fact, it was to the point where they thought their their vacation would be in jeopardy because it was taking so long. And they did give themselves plenty of leeway. They knew that there was a backup here. But, you know, because of the pandemic and everything that happened there, they are so backed up on on renewals, on, on getting original passports, that if you're planning to travel overseas where you're going to need a passport, it's not even overseas, if you're traveling to Canada or Mexico now, right, um, give yourself plenty of time for for getting your passport, make sure you get your appointments in, get everything you need in, in, uh, in time, because it, they're saying it's going to be the end of this year until they even catch up to normal processing times. So, uh, you know, if you've, if you've tried to get your passport recently, if you need, uh, if you've gone through the process, if you have a time frame of what you did, regular service, where, how you went about it, where you went about it, did you go to one of the main offices? Did you do it through our local post office and make your appointment like it's normally done through the mail then? After that, you know, let us know because I'd like to see how, how it's working here in our area. Because like I said, I need to get my passport renewed. I should really get on that quick. My wife was talking about wanting to go somewhere, you know, hopefully this year. But um, we'll, uh, we'll see... Uh, We'll see what we do. Again, I need my passport renewed if I'm going to go anywhere. But I, I'm one of those people that there's plenty of beautiful places here in America that I can go before I want to go overseas or go to an island or something like that. I found some really neat places here in America that, that you know, I, I have been to or I haven't been to yet that I want to see that I would rather go to rather than, you know, spending time in an island somewhere. It's nice. I, I get it. And, and you know, under normal circumstances, yeah, it would probably, and if someone said, hey, well, here's a vacation, do you want to go here? Of course I would go. But I, I just think there's plenty of here in America. I love driving through this country. I've driven out to Wichita, Kansas. I've driven just recently down to, uh, you know, the the Alabama coast and back through, through eight states. Um, you know, I've driven almost cross country. I've driven, you know, to Notre Dame several times. I, I love driving the country and seeing new things in this country. I drove all through New Mexico uh, when I was out there, um, it's a beautiful nation we live in, and I appreciate seeing it as much as I can, and I'd like to see it as much as I can, and there's plenty of places out there that I could sit sit by a beach somewhere and enjoy it here without a passport. It's uh, 5.55 here at WILK. We'll be back to close out the Rob O'Donnell Show in a minute. Well, that's it for the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio today, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM. If you missed any of the show today, you can... Listen again, listen later. For, I guess for the next three days, you can get the shows on the Odyssey app, or you can check out the podcast anywhere you find your podcast, your favorite podcasts, and such like that. So uh, you just search the Rob O'Donnell Show. And again, if you want to go to my social media, Rob O'Donnell on Facebook or at O'Donnell underscore R on Twitter, I do put a lot of links that I talk about on the show. I... Um, 
I um, post things earlier in the day before the before the show comes on, so you kind of get a grasp on what I'm going to be talking about. Got a text message in, Rob. We need the free market to decide on which path to take when it comes to buying vehicles, not central planning from Big Brother. I agree, 100%. And I'm all for putting the testing the things out there. In some circumstances, an electric vehicle might work great for you. If I lived uh, in a suburb or a city where I can go back and forth and had a convenient charging station, it, yeah, it would be great for me. Where I live now and the things I do now, it would not at all. Um, but I, I think the market should di- dictate that. And, again, you put all the above out there. You see what people are happy with or what they work. People don't like being forced to do things. And when you're forcing them to do things, even if it's for their own good, they're going to push back. And uh, it's not going to be successful because you want people to accept what they're, uh, what they're doing. It's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK. God bless. Be safe. We'll do it again tomorrow.